From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Uh, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, your camper, your RV, your earbuds. Great as always to be with you. Uh, very soon you'll be able to take The Conspiracy Show with you wherever you go. Our app, very close to completion. Uh, I believe we're just waiting approval from the iTunes store, and then we'll make a, a formal announcement and we'll launch it, perhaps... I'll convince our app developer, Sharon Forster, to come on the program and walk us through this remarkable piece of software. It is truly amazing. I can't wait for the uh, for the big reveal, so stay tuned. Uh, Albert and Eric, the interns, are here. Uh, Tim is uh, looking at us through the glass darkly from the other side, the other studio, where he's uh, twisting knobs and dials and uh, working his technical uh, wonders. We've got a bit of a, a primer for you this evening. Uh, Dr. Susan Shumsky is standing by to discuss how to develop Third eye super sensory perception. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, people have this idea that because I host a conspiracy show and I spend a lot of time talking about the paranormal and metaphysics, uh, that I must be very intuitive. But I don't. I don't consider myself to be intuitive at all. Uh, if I have a third eye, it's probably developing a cataract. <laughs> Although, uh, having said that, I, I did have some success with a couple of uh, remote viewing experiments with uh, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell on this very program. So who knows? Maybe there's hope for my uh, myopic third eye yet. We'll find out. I, I want to mention some sad news. Uh, you may recall a few months back I interviewed Bruce McBurney about the 100-mile-per-gallon engine, and uh, also we, uh, we did a, a separate interview, a, a separate program, about colloidal silver. Uh, and I mentioned a few weeks back how I had uh, gone down to Niagara Falls to visit Bruce at his home. He gave me and the uh, the mighty Aphrodite several bottles uh, of his colloidal silver. And then, coincidentally, a few weeks after that, we had that, that fire at our place. And both of us suffered rather serious burns to our hands. Uh, and we soaked our hands in the colloidal silver. And despite the uh, the severity of the burns, I never had one moment of pain, not even mild discomfort. Uh, which I attribute, that's me speaking, that's, I'm not telling you this is the way it is for anyone else, but for me, uh, I, I attributed that to the colloidal silver. Anyway, um, I received an email earlier this week that Bruce McBurdy passed away. Suddenly, in his home in Niagara Falls, he was just 60 years old. And I don't have any other details. Uh, I understand that uh, Bruce was uh, cremated. Um, anyway, I want uh, to send his friends and family, uh, my prayers. And I want them to know that uh, my, my thoughts are with them, my prayers are going out to them. Um, Bruce McBurney, may his memory be eternal. Uh, I think next week, what I'll do is I'll play a bit of our last conversation um, during the show as a tribute. Bruce McBurney, again, passed away about a week ago. Suddenly in his home he was 60. Sleep well, Bruce. Here's something interesting. Um, recently we were, we, we were speaking with uh, Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Now, that was not a joyful show, let me tell you. Uh, pretty bleak. Uh, talking about what's coming our way. A, a coronal mass, uh, ejection to start with. Uh, followed by, uh, perhaps a mini ice age. Uh, and then it pretty well goes downhill from there. <laughs> However, um, he was talking about uh, CERN, the uh, the um, the collider there, and how it's uh, perhaps being used to open up some sort of a time portal. Well, today, 
is a rather interesting day in history. Because if we we dial back to the uh, Back to the Future movies, remember Marty McFly, Michael J. Fox's character in Back to the Future, today is the day he traveled to into the future. May 3rd, 2015. Which, of course, leads me to ask, if a time machine has been invented at some point in the future, where are all the time travelers? And But then that, it's a simple answer. It's a simple answer. You can only... I learned this from uh, Ronald Mallet, the uh, theoretical physicist from the University of Con- uh, Connecticut. You can only travel back in time to the day when a time machine is turned on. So if a time... If time travel is achieved, let's say, in 2115, 100 years from now, from today, let's say, the next day, someone someone could theoretically travel back in time one day to May 2nd, sorry, to May 3rd, uh, 2115. In 2215, time travels, travelers could travel back to 2115, but not before, not one day before a time machine is activated. That's something for you to chew on for a little while. Anyway, uh, interesting article in the uh, the slide carousel at uh, richardserrett.com. I mentioned this um, earlier as well, but um, it's a, it's an article about the uh, the spiritual lives of the four lads from Liverpool, the Beatles. At the height of their fame in the mid-60s, they all professed uh, to being atheists, and then came their trip to India, where they were... Um, they became acquainted with the Maharishi Maharishi Yogi. And of course, I mean, that just changed the culture. George Harrison picked up a sitar, uh, the, the sitar, and uh, the music changed, uh, and um, that sort of began the, the psychedelic era in, in rock music. And of course, George Harrison um, avidly embraced Eastern mysticism. Well, it's interesting because my next guest is also a former close associate of the Maharishi, Maharishi, uh, she herself has practiced meditation and other spiritual disciplines for nearly half a century. And uh, she's here tonight to talk about developing our sixth sense, the inner eye, that could open the gateway to subtler realms of existence, enabling us to view previously invisible worlds of multiple dimensions, spiritual planes filled with light, alternate realities of indescribable wonders. This eye of wisdom... Knowledge, illumination, and intuition is aptly named the third eye. Dr. Susan Shumsky is an award-winning author of 11 books, including The Power of Chakras, The Power of Auras, and Ascension. And her brand new book is titled Awakening Your Third Eye. Susan, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm, I'm so glad to be here with you tonight. Richard? Well, I tell you, we can use a bit of a pick a pick me up because we uh, we recently had a rather a necessary but very dire conversation with Dr. Richard Allen Miller about certain cataclysmic events heading our way, extinction type events. Uh, let's just put that aside uh, if we can, and uh, let's when when, when you talk, we talk about the third eye, um, is that the are we talking about the pineal gland? Actually, the pineal gland is associated with the third eye, but the third eye is not in your physical body. It's in your subtle body. The pineal gland is in your physical body, but the third eye is uh, one of the subtle energy centers or chakras within your subtle body, 
and it is associated with and it is located near the, the pineal gland area. Uh, but, but does awakening that third eye have anything to do with the pineal gland? It does, as a matter of fact, and it has been known to do that throughout the ages. As a matter of fact, you're going to see, literally see, because I have a few slides here that you can look at. For example, if we go to uh, this one slide, which is number nine, which is a picture of Ankar Wat, which is one of the largest, I think it's the largest temple in the world in Cambodia. And you'll see there that there are these pine cone shapes that are the turrets of this temple. The pine cone is very uh, prevalent throughout the ages in reference to spirituality. This is one example. And why is that? Well, the pineal gland is called, it is so named because uh, that means pine cone. Uh, pineal means pine cone. Ah, and, uh, it, and the pineal gland itself, if you uh, dissect a corpse, you'll see that the pineal gland looks a little bit like a pine nut or a pine cone. So that's just uh, one example of, of it being in religious architecture. Another one would be number 15, which is the courtyard of the, uh, of the pine cone courtyard number 15, yes. which is at the Vatican. And, uh, that's the biggest pine cone statue in the entire world. And of course, in that religious structure of the Vatican. And also, the Pope carries a staff with a pine cone on it. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. So the and pine cone is very important in, in that uh, culture as well, in the, in the Catholic culture. And in fact, in ancient Greece, if you look at number eight, you'll see a picture of um, the Thyrsus. And the Thyrsus is a, uh, a pine cone on top of a fennel stalk with a ribbon around it. And this was carried by uh, various ancient Greek gods, including Dionysus, also known as Bacchus in, in Rome. Uh, in, in Greece, it's known as uh, Dionysus. And the manads also carried this staff, and it has a pine cone on the top. Uh, so the pine cone is seen throughout various cultures. It's also uh, number ten. There's a picture of a of a genie from uh, Assyria, and uh, the genie has a pine cone in his hand, and he's blessing. He's giving blessing with the pine cone. There's some sacred ointment in his other hand that he's using. Uh, as a blessing. So the pine cone represents this pineal gland, and the ancients knew about it. They knew about the pineal gland and how it was related to the third eye or the eye of illumination. Dr. Susan Ashumsky is with us. Her uh, new book is titled Awaken Your Third Eye, How Accessing Your Sixth Sense Can Help You Find Knowledge, Illumination, and Intuition. And uh, if you're listening, you'll notice that she's referring to a number of slides, and those can be seen on our HOA or Hangout on Air, and all you have to do is go up to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, and uh, we've we've added a new link. We had um, a little difficulty earlier on in the program, so we've uh, we've put out a new HOA link, so just click on that. That'll take you to the live stream, and uh, we've got a bit of a slideshow going there as well. Now, um, the how how does the Catholic Church of the Vatican, uh, how do they 
explain away, <laughs> uh, because I'm, I'm guessing that the Pope isn't talking about the pineal gland and awakening your third eye and illumination and so forth. How, how do they explain the presence, um, the almost the uh, omnipresence of this of this um, pine cone throughout uh, the Vatican? Yeah, that's a good question. We should ask him. <laughs> Just a, just a, just an ornamental thing, I suppose. All right, we'll uh, take a time out, come back, and we'll find out how we can all activate that third eye. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Susan Shumsky is with us. Awaken your third eye. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the ancient Greeks, and um, my uh, my boys are half Greek, and uh, absolutely just nuts about uh, um, uh, about uh, Greek mythology, and um, and Cyclops, of, of course, uh, uh, figures large in Greek mythology. Uh, now the, the Cyclops, of course, has one eye, but it's sort of right in the middle of the of the the forehead. Does that at all relate to the third eye? I do believe that it does. If you look at slide number 18, there's a picture of Polyphemus, and he was the Cyclops. The son of Poseidon. Ran into. He was the son of Poseidon, I believe. That's correct, he was. And when Homer visited that island there, the Cyclops Island, he ran into Polyph- Polyphemus and all of his, all of Homer's uh, soldiers, all of his staff were uh, captured, and this big monster, he ate a couple of them, he made a meal out of them, and Homer distracted him by getting him drunk, and then when he was completely drunk, he, what he did is he struck his third eye with a firebrand, uh, and uh, that's how he was able to escape. He barely escaped with his life, and so did the men that were left that right. were still alive. So if you look at number 18, you see a picture of the uh, of Polyphemus, uh, the Cyclops. And I do believe that this is related to the third eye because the eye in the middle of the forehead is a, is a representation of the third eye. Although the third eye is located in the pineal gland area, it's also located in this uh, forehead area. It's known as the brow chakra by the way, and it's also located in the back of the head. It's located throughout the head in three basic uh, different areas of the head. But in fact, the third eye is uh, what is known as the Agya Chakra, and uh, that's what it's called in Sanskrit. It's Agya Chakra. There's a representation of that on number, slide number five, the third eye, uh, Agya Chakra, uh, and it's Depicted that way in India. And, and uh, sorry, I, I wanted to I wanted to go back to the the Old Testament. Uh, are there any any uh, clues or or references, veiled or otherwise, to this third eye in the Old Testament? Uh, as a matter of fact, not much. But there was a one incident where Jacob was wrestling with an angel, and. After he wrestled with the angel, he called the place Peniel. And that's a Hebrew word, and it means face of God. And the reason he called it that, so with the angel, he saw the face of God. 
Now, this makes sense to me, Richard, because the third eye throughout the ages has been associated with higher experiences, higher expressions, spiritual experiences. So what, what this implies is that as a Jacob was wrestling with the angel, he saw the face of God, and that face of God is seen by people who experience the third eye who awaken the third eye through inner illumination, that is the place within your subtle body where you're going to be able to see the face of God because you're seeing things that are hidden from view. And also there was another reference in the New Testament where Jesus was saying that if your eye is single, then your whole body will be filled with light. And he was also referring to the third eye in that passage. He was referring not only to the third eye, but also to the fact that if you have a single intention, if you are very strong with your intention and single-minded, that you will be able to manifest anything in your life. All right. Well, let's start to to wade into uh, how one uh, attempts to awaken this this third eye but before we do that i mean you mentioned you know seeing the face of god and, and so forth what why would one want to awaken the uh, the third eye uh, what are the advantages there's a lot of advantages to it uh, the main advantages is the reality that it is the eye of illumination and that that you're going to experience reality you're going to be able to see the truth know the truth and experience the truth of your being so you'll be able to attain higher states of consciousness through awakening your third eye so that's the main advantage but there's other advantages too for example you're able to awaken your clairvoyant clairaudient and clairsentient uh, ESPs you could call it ESP but I call it supersensory perception or subtle sensory perception that means that you're able to see things hidden from view you're able to experience things that are not normally experienced through your physical sensory apparatus. You're able to experience not only clear seeing, which is clairvoyance, clear feeling, which is clair, uh, clairsentience, and clear hearing. You're able to hear things that are that you don't normally hear. For example, being able to communicate with divine beings, being able to communicate with beings of light, the deities, angels, archangels, and to see realms of light and divine realms, higher realms. And in fact, you can see lower realms too when you have that awakened. But you can learn to discern. Discernment is also part of awakening your third eye, being able to tell what is, what is truly of value, what is truly highest wisdom for you. Uh, so you get smarter when you awaken your third eye. Okay. Now, the um, the all-seeing eye. I was mentioning occult symbols in American logos and, and so forth. And we have on the back of the U.S. dollar bill, of course, the all-seeing eye atop the pyramid, Horace's eye. Uh, is this the same thing? or What is the connection between the all-seeing eye and the uh, uh, the uh, the third eye? Okay, so uh, there, there's a picture of the Great Seal here. If you look at number 24, the United States Great Great Seal, there's a slide on that. And on the back of the U.S. dollar bill, you'll see this symbol. Okay, as soon as the Declaration of Independence was signed, immediately they started to design a Great Seal. But it was designed by various committees, 
And finally, uh, this design uh, took place. Uh, the eye, known as the Eye of Providence, that's what this is actually on the capstone of the pyramid, is the Eye of Providence. And the reason why the Eye of Providence is important is because many of our founding fathers, especially George Washington, he believed that Providence had uh, guided the founding of this country. He felt that there were so many uh, incidences of divine intervention that he had to admit that definitely there was uh, there was divine intervention that God really put his hand directly into the founding of this country. Uh, so that's why we have the Eye of Providence uh, in, on the Great Seal. But there's also an all-seeing eye, for example, uh, and that's a Masonic symbol. Right. If you look at the number 20, the slide number 20, you'll see an all-seeing eye on that, what they call the tracing board. Yes, uh, there it which is. Which is one of the Masonic things that they, they use. These tra- They still use these tracing boards and these various emblems. So this all-seeing eye, the Masons say that this is completely different from the Eye of Providence. The Eye of Providence is a symbol of divine intervention, of direct intervention by God in human affairs. The all-seeing eye is a symbol of passive watchfulness. So this symbol, the Masonic symbol, uh, they say that uh, this is definitely the most important, uh, one of the most important of their symbols. It's on a lot of their tracing boards. Right. And it represents God, and it represents God's passive watchfulness over humanity. It's like a protective eye. It it sounds to me, uh, Susan, that the, um, the, the, the eye of providence... Uh, I mean that has gotten a bad rap when we, yeah. when we uh, you know, Ordo uh, Novus Ordo Seclorum, right? The New World Order, the uh, the the um, right. all-seeing eye is um, uh, wrapped up with the Illuminati and the New World Order. Why? How did yeah. that happen? How did that happen? Well, I'm not exactly sure how it happened because the reality is that there there were no Masons involved with the design of the. <laughs> There were no Masons involved with the design of the of the Great Seal, and uh, the Eye of Providence. Uh, th- that eye, it, it's actually a symbol in Renaissance art. That's where it came from. Right. And it's really I don't know about Illuminati or anything, but I, but I do know that the uh, the motto. Novus Ordo Seclorum. Yes. That it, what it means literally is the beginning of the new American era, according to the person that actually designed the seal. His name was Thompson, and he was a very important uh, member of Congress at the time. Uh, was an advocate for the cause of African slaves and for Native Indians. He was the most highly respected member of Congress. And he was the Secretary of Congress at the time, and he's the one that actually came up with the final design. And he was not a Mason. There you go. Stop the presses. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Something tells me, though, that that, um, there will be still those out there who will uh, object to that. However, uh, thank you for clarifying. Telling you the facts. Yes. No. I. I, Yeah. Washington was a Mason, but he didn't have anything to do with the design. All right. 
Now, back to the um, the all-seeing eye, and and or the uh, rather the third eye. Uh, what are the steps? Let, let's begin this discussion. The steps on uh, learning to awaken this this third eye. What do we do? Well, in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye. Uh, actually, I think maybe you have the book up there right we now. We do. There okay. it is. How about that? Right okay. So, uh, in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye, uh, I have a lot of exercises and very helpful advice on how to awaken your uh, clairvoyant, clairsentient, and clairaudient abilities. And I'll give you a few tips uh, right now on the show. Uh, it's really not that difficult. Everybody already has these powers within them. For example, uh, if you go into a building and you notice a, kind of a bad vibe in that building, let's say you go into a bar or a prison or a, a mental institution or, for example, a uh, maybe a nursing home right. or a hospital, you'll just feel this kind of yucky, icky vibration there. It, it just it feels dense. The atmosphere feels dense. Uh, sometime, another time you might go into a place that has a wonderful vibration, like maybe a sacred site or a, a sacred building, and you feel uplifted by that vibration. Or when you meet somebody for the first time, you might r- immediately feel as if that this person is very warm and friendly, this person is very open. Then you meet another person who appears to be very cold or uh, maybe uptight or angry. Uh, you can sense a difference when you meet different people. And it, it actually is an indication that everyone has these abilities and they can develop them. So in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye, I teach a lot of different techniques for helping you to develop these abilities. For example, uh, if you've ever used uh, magic eye uh, pictures, those are the embedded pictures where uh, they just like look like a bunch of, uh, of shapes and colors, and then you stare at them with soft focus vision, right. and immediately this third eye, this third dimensional image will pop out of the picture. Yes, I've done that. It's and, quite remarkable. And then you cannot not yeah. see it after that. <laughs> and then you can't not see it, right? So it is. Uh, that's a good exercise for helping you develop what's known as soft focus vision. And that helps you to develop your uh, clairvoyant or clear-seeing ability. I thought that was more kind of a left-brain, right-brain type of thing, but you're saying no. That has to do... It has to do with the focus of the eyes. Right. It has to do with seeing each eye separately rather than both eyes converging on one point, which is the hard focus, which is what we usually do when we, when we use our eyes. We're focusing on one spot with both eyes, but it's one eye is separate from the other, that's the way that you're able to see this uh, third-dimensional object. So soft focus vision is a key to developing clairvoyant abilities, outer clairvoyant abilities, shall we say, with eyes open. Another thing you might do is try mirror gazing, where you just sit in front of a mirror and in a darkened room is even better, and you gaze with a soft focus vision maybe at your own forehead or at uh, the curve of your neck or something, you'll, you'll just see yourself with self-focused vision, and that helps you to develop this clairvoyant ability. Another one is what we call traffic meditation, which is candle gazing or gazing at an object. It doesn't have to be a candle flame, but it can be any kind of object. You could, for example, put a 
face of a divine being or a saintly person and stare into their eyes, or you can uh, stare at a, a candle, a lit candle, or gaze at the sky or a star or the horizon. So I teach you how to do that in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye. These are some meditation methods. But also in my book, I teach a lot of, of very ancient yogic practices that are really powerful for helping you to awaken your third eye. Some of these practices involve yoga uh, asanas, which means yoga postures, also pranayama, which means breathing exercises, also what's called bandhas, which are muscular locks, and mudras, which are specific gestures or things that you do with your body in specific positions. So these are powerful, and they are definitely time-tested, time-proven methods for awakening your third eye, and they, they really work. They awaken your kundalini, kundalini energy, which is the life force energy that goes up the center of your spine, and they help you to awaken your third eye. Is this a lifelong um, uh, you know, spiritual practice? I mean, can it take a lifetime, or will some people be able to awaken their third eye in a relatively short period of time? How long does it take? I think that people can make very quick progress in the atmosphere of the world as it is now. When I started, first started practicing spiritual methods in 1966-1967, the world was very dense. Now the world has become very much lighter, and people are able to have uh, spiritual experiences very quickly now that they were not able to do before. So it's uh, really powerful. Uh, that now the world is on a higher vibrational level and people are able to experience the third eye much more quickly. All right, I hear that music percolating up. So um, we're going to take a time out here, Susan. We'll come back on the other side. I'm wondering whether this third eye might be uh, the reason uh, people see UFOs, for example, uh, or ghosts. Awaken Your Third Eye, How Accessing Your Sixth Sense Can Help You Find Knowledge, Illumination, and Intuition. Susan Shumsky, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, welcome back. Before we get back to uh, Susan Shumsky, I just want to mention this, uh, because I was uh, talking about uh, on this date, uh, this was when Marty McFly supposedly traveled into the future and arrived May 3rd uh, or May 4th, 2015. And I just got this uh, email from uh, Daniel, and he says, Richard, please check your information again. You're absolutely wrong about the fictitious date that Marty McFly traveled into the future. It was not May 4th, 2015. It was October 26, 2015. He went back to November 5th, 1955, returned on November 12th, 1955, to October 26th, 1985. Over the years, Daniel writes, I must have watched this movie over 20 times and have never heard the date May 4th, 2015. Or May 3rd. The other time travel movie of the year was a Francis Ford Coppola classic, Peggy Sue Got Married. I have them both in my collection. Take care, man. Still listening. Well, Dan, you thank you for that. However, we have um, I, I, we've grabbed a um, a still. Um, um, it's a picture online, and it was from the DeLorean, um, the cockpit of the DeLorean, of course. And um, we'll try and post that. But it says, I think, 
It's pretty clear there. May 3rd, 2015. However, we'll get to the bottom of that. My crack crew, uh, Albert and Eric the interns, are, are looking into that, and they're uh, writing me a cryptic message as we speak. However, we'll just leave that aside for now. Daniel, you may be right, but we're looking into it. The cockpit, or the uh, the dashboard on the DeLorean, seems to indicate that it was May 3rd. Eric's holding up a sign. What does it say, Eric? Um, uh, oh, it okay, that, the, that shot may be fake. All right, perhaps. All right, that's okay. Back to Susan Shumsky. We're talking about awakening the third eye. And uh, I wonder whether the increase, uh, you know, people seeing uh, UFOs and so forth, is that related to awakening the third eye, Susan? Uh, Yes, absolutely. I do believe that it is because I believe that some of these experiences that people are having are experiences of subtle realms of existence. They're not necessarily experiences of the physical world that we're living on. So people are having experiences of subtle beings, of light beings, of higher beings, of lower beings, <laughs> all, all kinds of non-physical beings. And you don't have those experiences unless you have a, your third eye awakened to some degree. Now, the, the, the people, uh, you know, we're, we're told, according to this UN report, that since 1947, something like 150 million people have seen uh, UFOs. Now, not everyone who sees a UFO, you know, has studied, uh, uh, you know, taken on this spiritual practice and so forth. So, does that mean that for some people, the third eye is just, it's, it's awakened, it's, it's active since birth? Is there a genetic component here? Mm-hmm. So, uh, the thing is that we develop certain skills throughout our lifetime. For example, you might become a really great piano player throughout your lifetime, and you worked really hard at it. All right, so I a lot of things make a lot of sense when you believe in reincarnation, and I believe in reincarnation. So when you go on to your next life, you might be a child prodigy. You have so many skills. You have such a strong skill in the piano that now you're a child prodigy. And so from lifetime to lifetime, you don't lose your skills. Your skills are still there in your subconscious mind. They're actually stored in your subtle body. Your subtle body does not die. It's just your physical body that drops off at death. Your subtle body still uh, is completely alive. Really nothing happens at death except for the, the, the gross physical body no longer functions. But your subtle body moves with you, and it moves with you from lifetime to lifetime. And that's where all your skills and abilities are stored. So, for example, if you have developed spiritual uh, powers or if you've developed supersensory perception, that will continue with it with you from lifetime to lifetime. Uh, and remote viewers, um, again, being able to perceive objects and locations that are hidden from plain view, sometimes over great mm-hmm. distances, sometimes even, you know, uh, across time. So they are in, yes, uh, they are transcending space and time. Again, is that being achieved through the third eye, remote viewing? Definitely, that's where they're they're viewing. They're actually viewing with the third eye. Now, the third eye is a third eye, but it's not a third eyeball. You can't really call it a third eyeball. Right. But there are some species, uh, for example, lizards and some other species, where it it is really does have the ability to sense or to sort of see things. And in humans, the embryonic human being 
does have photoreceptor cells in the third eye or pineal gland area. And uh, the most uh, stunning discovery of recent years in 2013, whereas Rick Strassman and his team, right. he wrote the book The Spirit Molecule. Yeah, DMT. And what he, yes. he discovered was that uh, in rodents, which are our cousins, they are mammals, he discovered that the uh, pineal gland is manufacturing DMT, which is dimethyltryptamine. Right. And dimethyltryptamine has been known for a very long time to be associated with unusual experiences, experiences of hidden realms, experiences of out-of-body experiences of other uh, beings, higher beings, light, light beings, and being able to communicate with these beings. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Amazon has become a tourist destination now. Ayahuasca. Because people, people are going there, right, to experience ayahuasca. And ayahuasca is a plant medicine uh, of the uh, indigenous uh, Indians there in South America. And that plant medicine is made of uh, mostly of DMT. Uh, when I was a hippie in the 60s, people used to, used to use DMT to have these unusual psychedelic experiences. And DMT was the most intense psychedelic being used at that time. Uh, people would have a very quick, uh, intense, shall we say, trip, a uh, psychedelic trip where they'd have all these amazing experiences with DMT. So I think it's a stunning discovery that has been made by Strassman and his team, the Cottonwood uh, Research Group, that they have discovered DMT in mammals being produced by the pineal gland because it just underscores the fact that the pineal gland is definitely associated with the agya chakra or the sixth chakra, the third eye chakra. And, and you're saying that uh, uh, a prenatal, um, the, yeah, embryonic, the, the, the embryonic, the, the, the pineal gland has photoreceptors and, and then they, do they just, do they recede and disappear as we get older? Yeah, yes, they do. As a matter of fact, the pineal gland calcifies as we get older as well. That's why children have a more higher sensory perception than adults is because this pineal gland gets calcified through, a lot of it has to do with fluorid, fluoridated water and other toxins that we put in our bodies uh, which cause the pineal gland to, to calcify. That's why they put, they, they're so insistent on putting fluoride in the water perhaps is they don't want us to open up the third eye. We'll continue to discuss with Susan Shumsky. Awaken your third eye right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM 740. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Susan, uh, this is The Conspiracy Show, so I have to ask you. I mean, uh, you mentioned that as we, uh, we, we get older, the pineal gland uh, tends to calcify. Uh, which makes it harder for us to to perceive these other realms. Um, and I'm, I'm, you mentioned that one of the culprits in the calcification of the pineal gland is fluoride. Is there a connection? Yeah. Do you think that this was del deliberate in order to stifle 
our intuition, our ESP, our e, uh, and, and our ability to perceive other realms? I think that's a valid question. And who knows if there were nefarious intentions at work when the water was uh, fluoridated. Actually, almost every nation in the world has stopped putting, has stopped putting fluoride in the water. Uh, America is, unfortunately, uh, we are consuming more fluoride than all other nations combined. Yes, uh, a number of municipalities up here in Canada have voted to to stop the fluoridation of the water. Right. Now in Europe they don't, but I understand they 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 get they get you another way. They put it in the table salt. Oh. <laughs> so there's no escape. The shame. Yeah, it's the shame. But in fact, you can decalcify the pineal gland. And in my book, Awaken Your Third Eye, I have a whole list of things you can do, including um, this. So happens the borax is a is a, a, a good way to to decalcify it and you can get borax very safely if you take homeopathic borax or if you just take it in very minuscule amounts. But I have a whole list of other things too that can help you to decalcify your pineal gland. And I, I think it's worthwhile to do that because it will help you to develop your supersensory ability. However, I don't think that uh, the calcification of the pineal gland is uh, a complete obstacle to people being able to develop their third eye simply because the third eye is in your subtle body. It's not in your gross physical body. Right, right. <clears throat> how would you, how would you rate your third eye vision? Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to be flippant here, but you know, we tend to think of, we, we, we use terms like 2020 and so forth. I mean, how, how, how does your third eye operate? I think it operates quite well. And what I found is that People have better third eye vision with their eyes closed than with their eyes open because you can see things hidden from view better if you close your eyes. So, for example, if I teach a class on reading auras, and I've written a book called um, The Power of Auras, and I uh, I teach people a lot of different uh, seminars where I help them to develop these abilities. And what I do is I have people sit two by two, and they just sit in front of each other. But instead of trying to see the aura of the other person with their eyes open, they can see it better if they close their eyes, and then they can report to the person what they're able to see with their third eye. And it really works. What's a trepanation? Is that related to trepaning, where they would drill holes in a, in a skull? Yeah. Yeah, actually, there was a... Uh, book that came out in the 1950s. It was called The Third Eye, and it was written by this British guy who claimed that a Tibetan lama had taken over his body and that he was, you know, sort of like being possessed by this Tibetan. And the Tibetan supposedly went through this uh, hair-raising procedure where they drilled a uh, hole in his skull in the third eye uh, area. And as a result of that, he was able to have higher sensory perception. He was able to suddenly have clairvoyant vision. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's I don't know if the book is a fantasy or if it really happened or what. But some people have taken up this practice. I do not recommend people trying this at home, drilling no. holes in your skull. But what they claim, the, the theory is that just like... A baby, when it's first born, uh, has a soft spot on the top of their head, and it allows the brain to enlarge and get bigger. 
similarly, if a person drills a hole in their skull, supposedly, it helps them to be able, their brain to be able to, what shall we say, breathe better or get bigger or something. And they claim that it has benefits, but please don't try this, folks. No, but there, there were, there, they have uncovered, uh, you know, uh, skulls and so forth from ancient uh, civilizations where this was common practice. It was, especially, for example, in Peru. They've, they found a lot of uh, skulls in Peru where they drilled holes. And some of the skulls that they found were due to surgical operations to try to uh, relieve pressure. But some of them, they believe, were for ceremonial purposes, uh, perhaps to help people to awaken their uh, supersensory perception. So um, when people are, they believe that they are perceiving, uh, perhaps through the third eye, a spiritual world. They see, they're able to see uh, ghosts. Um, what, to your mind, what are they actually perceiving? Are they, are they seeing the the uh, the the, uh, the spirit bodies of, of people that have passed over, or are they simply perceiving the the denizens of uh, a, another dimension? Okay, so there's several dimensions that a person can tap into when they're seeing with their inner vision. There's the spiritual world, the mental world, the astral world, and the environmental world. So these are all, these, these worlds uh, are different worlds than this physical, this gross physical manifest creation that we're seeing through our, the two eyes. We see the two, through our two eyes, we see this world. But what we see through our subtle sensory perception is we see these other levels of uh, there are other, other lokas. Loka means world in Sanskrit. There are other areas. And these, uh, in these other areas, you're going to, for example, in the spiritual plane, you'll be able to uh, see and communicate with divine beings, with beings of light, with angels, archangels, deities, and also with your beloved uh, departed who have gone into the light after death. Uh, those would be beings who are living in the spiritual world. Then in the mental world, what you're basically tapping into is your own beliefs, habits, conditioning, thoughts, ideas, opinions, uh, your own belief systems, which are BS, your belief systems, your, the things that, that you've been brainwashed to believe, basically. Then there's uh, something called the astral world, and on the astral world, you're going to meet these kind of uh, beings who are stuck or stranded or lost who did not go into the light after death. I'm sure that you've probably interviewed people who've had the near-death experience and uh, those who have the near-death experience, they see this bright, brilliant, beautiful light. They go into the light. They have a divine experience. They see perhaps see a divine being. But there are some beings who, after death, they really don't go into this light. They get stuck, they get stranded, they get lost. And for, there's, I've counted 14 basic reasons why a soul would not go into the light after death. They get stuck or they refuse to go or whatever it is. There's, there's different reasons why a soul would not go into the light. And so they remain in what's known as the astral plane. And in the astral plane, you can meet these beings. Uh, I mean, I don't suggest you go there <laughs> at all. But that is where people might tap into these lower beings or even demonic beings, mischievous beings, malevolent beings, 
uh, even demonic beings are living in this astral world. And so there's a whole array of beings that are lower beings that live in the astral plane that are very dangerous to be associated with. It's a great album. That's a great album, Astral Weeks by Van Morrison. But you're saying it's not a great place to uh, to go. How do you, are there? What are the ground rules for tra- you know traversing these realms safely? For navigating these realms in a safe way? Right. So I have a whole ten test system uh, to help people to be able to contact and communicate with divine beings who are in the spiritual world and to avoid being in contact with beings that are in the astral world because they're not going to be helping you. And, in fact, uh, I also teach people how to help the lost souls to move on into the light so that they no longer are stuck and miserable in the astral world. Help them to move on, help them to actually go into the spiritual world. So I have a system for that that I teach in several of my books, including the book Awaken Your Third Eye. And uh, it's important for people to learn discernment, to learn how to navigate these inner planes and to avoid uh, dangerous situations and to be able to communicate clearly with the divine realm, with divine beings who are living in the true spiritual world. Uh, something just occurred to me. One of the orders of angels, I'm not sure if it's the seraphim, uh, have, um, are said to have many eyes on their wings. Is there oh, that's a, interesting. Is there a connection there? That's fascinating. I never heard of that, but that's fascinating. I think that if they have many eyes on their wings, that is the symbol that's telling us that they're watching over us. That right. They're protecting us. So that's why they have all these eyes uh, watching us. It's it's just like the all-seeing eye of God. It's the same kind of idea. Uh, this watchful, benevolent being who is uh, who is protecting us, basically. What? So, what is the ultimate purpose then of of the third eye? Is it to is it to um, to know God? Actually, the ultimate purpose of the third eye is to know truth. Is to perceive truth. Uh, the third eye in India is called the Agya Chakra. And this particular chakra uh, has a deity associated with it, and that deity is uh, Jupiter, the planet Jupiter. Every, every chakra has a planet actually associated with it. Jupiter, in, in the Sanskrit language, the planet Jupiter is called Guru. So guru, we know the word guru. It means inner teacher or preceptor. The preceptor of the gods is Jupiter. So what the uh, third eye is, is it is an inner teacher that can guide you on your pathway and to show you the truth, to help you to realize reality, to develop your higher self, to realize, to have self-realization. And self-realization means to know who you really are, and to uh, develop yourself spiritually and to uh, truly have the realization of who you really are, your true self, and to attain ultimate spiritual enlightenment in that way. And what does that mean? It means to be free, to attain freedom, or moksha, freedom from this round of birth and death that we're continually 
going on lifetime after lifetime after lifetime to be free of that, to no longer be in suffering, to be in the state of illumination, the state of pure consciousness, the state whereby you know the truth, you see the truth, you experience the truth, and you are the truth. And it sets you free. Where can people get a hold of the, the book, Awaken Your Third Eye, Susan? I recommend people get it on Amazon to get it. Uh, Amazon.com. Okay. Awaken Your Third Eye is available there. Also on my website, drsusan.org. I do have a website, drsusan.org. And I also have another website called divinetravels.com. That's D-I-V-I-N-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-S.com. And I'm going to be doing... Uh, the Divinetravels.com has a lot of tours to sacred destinations, uh, seminars, conferences. I do these cruise ship seminars. As a matter of fact, I'll be doing a conspiracy cruise. Ah, conspiracy. conspiracy I like that. Cruise. Why didn't I think of that? Conspiracy Actually, cruise. I'm going to invite you <laughs> to perhaps be one of our speakers on the conspiracy cruise, Richard. Would so love to. Uh, Would love to. I'm an yeah. email away, and I'm there. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Susan Shumsky, Thank Awaken you. Your Third Eye. That's all the time we have. Uh, my thanks to Tim Spreen, Elbert, and Eric, the interns, all of you listening. Back next week, Rosemary Ellen Guiley will be back for our Paranormal News Roundup. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home.